Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Should Mark D'Antonio crawl into a hole and die? Michigan gets an exclamation point signature win. The XFL is a golden parachute. The NCAA says, pay for play, baby. Your Twitter questions, Stephen Izzo hitting the stat line, and a Kentucky preview. You're listening to Can't Read, Can't Write. Folks, welcome back to another episode of Can't Read, Can't Write, the podcast that proves Spartans can talk. It's 2019 and football and basketball are both happening, so I'm sad and happy at the same time. I'm Mike Jones, joined as always by my friend and co-host Kevin Greck. Kevin, where's your head? Where's your heart? Jonesy, did you start this off, start this show off with, should Mark D'Antonio crawl into a hole and die? I did, but that's just what? sort of, uh, we were, we're going to discuss where the fans are at. Okay. So we started this podcast to police the, the media and, and, the, and the lines. You, I'm having an Obi-Wan moment right now, okay? You were supposed to, to bring balance to the hot takes, Michael Jones, not join the hot takes. Uh, this is purely clickbait uh, or whatever <laughs> okay. that is for your ears. Uh, drawing people into the episode, getting them psyched for us discussing the hot topics with measured response. Measured. Okay, very Okay, I'm back on board. All right, let's go. I'm ready. All right. Well, before we get started, though, Kevin, I do... <laughs> Look, you've seen the Apple Podcast reviews. Sadly, my mother has seen them, too, because yeah. someone said that I have a sexy radio voice. Mm-hmm. And uh, you That's... did your best last week to destroy my golden pipes for the listening audience, who are clamoring for those dulcet tones. Hmm. Uh, what do you mean? Uh, explain yourself. I, uh, I, you listen to the podcast. I think you know. Okay. Are you going to give the fans what they want? That's listen, what man, I, I just want a little parody on the podcast, okay? That's all I want. Is it too much right. to ask? How am I Look, supposed to hang? Uh, thank you for whoever left that review, made it real weird for my mom uh, and for me. Interesting <laughs> conversation. Uh Please identify yourself. Uh, you can follow us uh, on the Twitter at Spartan underscore pod. Um, and we look forward to hearing from you. Yeah. Before we get uh, diving into our green wall, we got a little ad copy we got to read from our actual sponsor, not the fake ones that we do later. Uh, again, sponsoring us this week, and we're thrilled for it, is Fraser's Pub in Ann Arbor on Packard Road. Kevin and I have been there many a time. A great it. place for a little food, a little drink, a lot of drink, uh, camaraderie with some people that, you know, you'll make best friends that night and then forget about them the next day. Uh, <laughs> Waitstaff is, I, we mentioned on the first time that we sponsored them, but is probably my favorite part of Fraser's Pub, other than the wood paneling. Uh, they are salty in the best way possible. Um, and a lot of character, again, best friends or worst enemy. Uh, 
Fraser's Pub does have uh, breakfast on Saturdays and Sundays starting at 8.30 in the morning. So if you want to get your game day on right, you can stop by for some breakfast. Sunday nights they have uh, Sporkle Trivia at 7, which I think Sporkle's an online Sporkle's thing? a brand. Sporkle yeah. is, a, is a trivia company that hosts trivia events throughout Michigan and I'm sure other neighboring states. And they're there. And, Sunday nights, uh, 7 o'clock. Last last plug for awesome things at Frasers, which there are many, in addition to the great prices, is M Live actually had them rated as the second best Bloody Mary in the state of Michigan. So Boom. if you're a Bloody fan, swing by Frasers. <laughs> Frasers Pub, Ann Arbor, Michigan, Packard Road. Check them out. Tell them Green and White, uh, not Green and White, Can't Read, Can't Write, uh, sent you. We would be very much appreciative. If, uh, Jonesy, if I were the host of Sporkle Trivia, you, you know what my question would be on What's Sunday night at 7 o'clock? How many points has MSU scored in its last three games? Uh, and then how many points has it given up on defense? I can tell you one is greater than the other, and it's not the scoring for MSU. The answer is out of control. Uh, is it like 100 to 17? It's bad, whatever it is. I came up with that off the top of my head. Uh, I don't know what the answer is, but it is... The, the games have not been competitive. Yeah, mm-hmm. and so we're going to move in. We're going to do things a little bit differently. Normally, we would have our green wall segment where we sort of dissect media narratives and, and how they've actually played out in reality. But because we're kind of in a weird spot with the bye week and basketball starting next week, we're going to do some football up front, basketball on the back end. Uh, we don't feel like there's a great need to recap the Penn State game because it was terrible. Uh, it was a 28-7 to loss, and, you know, uh, there were no excuses. It, it's 28 clear that this— and it wasn't even that close. I mean— n- Never, ever seven, was it in doubt. No. And it, and it's—so the, the place where we are now is that, you know, we're more than halfway through the season, obviously, and the— you know, a lot of the predictions were for this MSU team to go, you know, 10 and 2. Mm-hmm. We are looking like a maybe an 8 and 4 team. Um, I mean, that's a win out and be 8 and 4 team. Yeah. that Like I said, maybe 8 and 4 yeah. team. And the only reason I put a maybe on it is because I think there is a degree to which you can kind of throw out records when it comes to the Michigan game. But Michigan is playing better than us right now. Yep. Um, and and so the, to the question up top of should D'Antonio uh, crawl into a hole and die, the there were some maddening decisions in that Penn State game that, you know, uh, look at the quarterback carousel that happened. Lewerke gets pulled uh, for Rocky Lombardi, our backup quarterback, mm-hmm. who then gets pulled for our third-string quarterback, Theo Day. And... <laughs> Theo Day moves the ball, completes, I believe, two or three passes, and then gets pulled to put Lewerke back in, who then gets pulled for Rocky Lombardi. Uh, well, Lewerke did make a comment uh, to the media that Theo Day miscalled a play, which has been a cardinal sin for this staff. Uh, I seem to recall in a previous uh, quarterback carousel, 
that someone, you know, misread, well, they, they misreads all the time, but someone else, you know, misread a play called the wrong play and got yanked for a similar situation. I don't know if that was Connor Cook or, or who it was, but. Um, <clears throat> I think it was O'Connor. O'Connor, uh, you know, given how well all of those offensive plays uh, had been working, you know, uh, even when they were called right, I can understand why you would be upset if one was uh, was not <laughs> called right by the quarterback. Uh, that's I mean, maybe that's the, justifiable. Maybe the cardinal sin should be not scoring points. Maybe start with that. Other bad. other insane things. Uh, Julian Barnett, a very talented freshman. Forced, a high four-star recruit who has had one of very few explosive plays for this team this season and shows great promise, didn't start in spite of an injury, and then saw several other receivers who are not as talented as him come into the game in front of him after uh, after injuries happened during the game. Julian Barnett also listed as the backup kick returner. When the starting kick returner went out, Daryl Stewart, Julian Barnett did not go in as the kick returner. Yeah. I am genuinely baffled at this point in the season when things aren't working, why you're not putting raw talent on the field and why you're, you're not making personnel decisions around your most talented players yeah so we're going to get into mark d'antonio and whether he should uh crawl into a hole and die but uh i i think one thing that's worth noting in all of this is he doesn't he seems to have lost his edge to a degree uh he seems to just be taking what is safest all of the time and I think that's a bit of a departure from the Mark D'Antonio that built the program and uh, and got us, got MSU sports into the position where you can expect not just a bowl game, but uh, to be competitive in all games against any opponent and to, you know, have winning seasons uh, routinely. Uh, it's like it, it occurred to me, I don't know if this was last year or when it was, but there was a trick play and the... Uh, and the media scrum asked him for the name of the trick play and he, he couldn't think of it. Whereas he used to delight in those kinds of things. I mean, this is a man that called a trick play against Notre Dame in overtime for Le'Veon Bell, who was a true freshman. It didn't end up going that way. The ball ended up getting thrown to Charlie Gant. But, uh, I, it seems like some of that edge has been lost and we're just not willing to take the risks that we were willing to years ago. Yeah, and, and what's crazy to me is that it, what feels, you're right about all of that, and so what feels different about what's happening right now versus even what was happening during the John L. Smith era was that, at least in John L.'s era, hope could kind of spring eternal, and we would lose games for sure, and in incredibly maddening ways, but there was enough going on for that team that you it was kind of like rolling the dice and you might see something really amazing happen. What's happening now is just consistently bad. And, and you can keep pointing to these moments where it's like, well, if that didn't happen or if that didn't happen, if that didn't happen, you know, this game might've really been different. 
But if you do that enough games in a row, then that's just what's happening. Like, that's what this team is. Mm-hmm. They're, you know, they're they're too busy looking at Mark D'Antonio's scowl that they're tripping over their own dick. Like it's it's terrible. <laughs> and you laugh, is, is, but that I'm not the, wrong. is that what the student athletes told you? They pull you aside and they were like, "Mike, listen, this is what's happening out there." <laughs> Kevin, this, this what is happening right now is garbage, and that is the nicest word I can come up with it. In five out of eight games, we've scored one offensive touchdown or less. Yeah. Like, that didn't happen. Didn't happen even in down production years. We've had a stagnant offense for a few years now. Mm -hmm. It was not this bad before. And this is a team that had so many returning people that it shouldn't be this way. Well, the expectations were high, as you noted earlier, uh, and they were high for a reason. Brian Lewerke, senior quarterback. And I, I don't want to harp on him, even though he got pulled from the game. He's like the 10th or 11th problem on this team. Uh, the, you know, we've got injuries with injuries on the in key positions. It, But still, it's clear that the product is not there. It's clear... To me, watching the game on Saturday, uh, that it was just a talent differential. It's been talent differentials the last three weeks. There just aren't the guys on the field to compete with the last three teams that MSU has played. And that's a product of recruiting. That's a product of this uh, staff and the talent that it brings in and the way that it coaches it up. It used to be relied upon. The two and three star players could be converted into, you know, NFL draft picks. Uh, the highest NFL draft pick that this coaching staff has produced in Jack Conklin was a walk on. He was a gray shirt. So th- this system that used to exist doesn't seem to be working right now. I understand that like a Joe Bocci and a Kenny Willekes were both lowly ranked players relative uh but they've also kind of disappeared to a degree this season, haven't they? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think I give Bocce some credit. I, I do think some of the defensive collapse is, or I won't even call it collapse, but I think some of maybe what's affecting the linebacker play anyway is an inability to trust what's going on behind them. I think the weakened secondary is is really, you know, if you can't trust what's behind you, it it makes it hard to play what's in front of you. Um, One of the things that I would say that that people probably need to be prepared for is that let's assume this team wins out, just for the sake of argument. For argument. Goes eight eight and four. This is going to be an eight and five team because there is enough talent on the defensive side of the ball that I am convinced that, that many of them are going to be going pro. And I'm convinced they will sit out the bowl game. Because if you look back to last year, Kenny Willekes probably would have gone pro, but for breaking his leg in the bowl game. Sure. And if, and if that doesn't serve as a cautionary tale for a lot of these guys, then I don't know what does. Yeah, I mean, we'll be seeing more and more of that, not just with MSU, but across college basketball. That's the new normal. Basketball or football? Football, pardon me. 
the new normal. Uh, put it in there with the, you know, the transfer portal. Put it in there with fair play to play, as we're we're going to talk about uh, here coming up soon. It's just the new landscape. So I mean, I just yeah. Even even Lewerke is projected to be a reasonable draft pick, and so you know after a season that was kind of a letdown for what their personal goals and, and team goals were, I wouldn't be surprised if you're going into a pinstripe bowl or heaven forbid, a quick lane bowl, or even if you're getting to play somewhere sunny, uh, I just wouldn't be surprised if the guys sit out. And I don't know that I really blame some of them. So question for you. Yeah. Next game. This is another bye week but MSU Illinois what do you think the stands are going to look like for that so i hope they look better than what they looked after halftime after this game this past game um though you know so actually i i want to before i i know we want to talk a little bit about the stands after this game or during this game but i do want to talk really briefly and and give a plug for the if people have tickets to the Illinois game and are not planning on going because they don't care anymore or this is their way of showing protest, do reach out to uh, at JD underscore Jerbear, that's J-E-R-B-E-A-R, who is coordinating with uh, Big Brothers Big Sisters of Lansing, the Lansing area to connect people so that someone can go to that game for you. So I do just want to say if for whatever reason you're pulling the plug on the season, you're choosing not to attend, don't let the seat go empty when you could make someone else's day, week, month, or year. Um, so do reach out to, again, that's JD underscore Jerbear, J-E-R-B-E-A-R. It's for a good cause. Or you can just go on StubHub and uh, buy some of these tickets and send them over to Jer Bear because the cost of getting in the building in two Saturdays is not very high. Uh, for six oh eight, that'll get you two tickets in the lower corner, row forty three. Which <clears throat> I have to think someone paid face value for those, and they're taking a bit of a bath. And that person should just give them anyway. Give them to a kid. Like, find a neighbor. Find someone who would go to that game. Anyway, speaking of going to the game. Yeah. I, I, so I was there on Saturday, uh, and you watched it from from home, from, from your The comfort castle, of my home. Your castle on, on the coast there. Uh, and I will say, for me personally, I was fortunate in that I didn't have to be in the rain, but there are areas of the stadium that are covered. Uh, I will say that having ventured out from my little hidey hole uh, a couple of times, it was wet, it was miserable, and the product on the field was difficult to get excited about. A so, hidey hole is, a, is really downplaying where you were, but I get your point. I just, I don't remember leaving a game early. And... That means being at very cold games with a trash team from John L. in his last year. 
And, so and I'm you're, sh- you're speaking as a student, right? Y- yeah. Well, and that's you sent me a picture from when you were at the game. Yeah. And that was empty. Yeah. The student and, section bailed entirely. And the students have booze on their side. <laughs> they have, you know, uh, being packed in together. And it's not like the weather report was unclear. So part of me is like, why do you even show up in the first place mm-hmm. just to leave? And so, I look, when I watch a game at home, if the players are standing, I'm standing. I don't, I genuinely, I... Is this look, true? Do you just yes. stand in your living room? Yes, also because of my anxiety. But just... Pacing involves standing. <laughs> yeah, I adjust places and positions, see if it generates luck. But anyway, we don't need to get into my mental quirks. The point is that I was, I can appreciate that it was A, cold, and B, rainy. Yeah. But people knew what they were showing up to. And so I just don't understand showing up for the first half to leave because, and, and come at me, anyone who's listening, come at me. I don't understand leaving. I'm that- going to ride the fence on this. On one hand, I experienced the misery myself, but on the other hand, this was a 3:30 game. Uh, it wasn't a night game where you've got to, you know, hit the road at midnight or one o'clock when uh, you know the time eventually actually runs out. Uh, it ended at a reasonable hour. Uh, like Mike said, you knew what the forecast was going to be going in. Uh, Dress the game was accordingly. On hand, but. It wasn't impossible until sometime in the late third quarter for MSU I, to potentially mount a comeback, but that that stadium bailed, and you could you could see after big key plays for Penn State the thinning of the crowd as it progressed, and uh, it and was at that a point little in time you're using the weather as an excuse. Yeah, and so that's and look, I didn't have to be there, but I can. And I, I know it's easy for me to say this, but I would have stayed yeah. because that's what you do. By the way, you know, there are plenty of people who uh, would bail on – I remember I went and saw MSU Michigan, uh, I think, 2017. And Michigan fans started bailing, and they made a, a late – rally to at least make it interesting mm-hmm. and so you, you know or if you left early because of trouble with the snap like shame on you you deserve to miss that we we, we are for me we are spartans we stay if for no other reason then there are student athletes out there who are trying and working really hard and you should be there to support them you should cheer for them you should, you know, you can express your displeasure in a lot of ways, but bailing on the mid game, that's a bad look in my opinion. Okay. So with that said, Illinois, two weeks, what do you think? What what do you think the fan base does speculate for me? Are we, I mean, keeping in mind that it's $6 to get in the door. Those are LB and MSU exhibition basketball prices for the upper bowl. Uh, what do you think? Percentage of the stadium that's full. Are we talking 70%? Are we talking 60%? Illinois is definitely not going to travel for this game. 
I'm guessing total attendance fifty five thousand. Okay, so that's what that's seventy percent, sixty percent, yeah, give or take. Okay. All right. Yeah, I think it's I think it's somewhere between seventy and eighty. Well, if you're listening to this podcast and you don't currently have tickets and you've thought to yourself, I should get to a game this year, uh, this might be a good option <laughs> for you because the only other one is Thanksgiving weekend. So consider it. Head on out. Uh, I'll see you it's, there. It's a chance to to watch Michigan State beat a former Wolverine. So that's justification enough. Oh, so, God. Should we even... So, Next week, are we going to talk? Should we speculate, like, based on the outcomes, what kind of fallout there could potentially be? Like, we, all right, we're going to cover that next week uh, yeah. during the bye week podcast. Uh, we'll talk about the various possible outcomes against Illinois and what will happen to the fan base as a result. I will lose my mind. Uh, <laughs> anyway, enough about football, lots to get to. So we're going to take it. Uh, off Grand River for a minute and talk about some of the news going on in the world of sports, college sports in particular, that's not necessarily Michigan State specific. Uh, and let's start with Michigan's win. Oh, I mean, that's it. My God. Harbaugh has redeemed himself for years of not being able to beat a quality opponent. He did it. Problem solved. I, I, I'm going to resist the urge to take shots at him because they won big in a week that my team did not. Uh, I will point out how unfortunate it is to waste your big program win on a team that's not in your conference. I understand that you guys have your little, like, oldie time irrelevant teams that old people care about bowl that you play amongst yourselves. But uh, <laughs> I would have strongly preferred if I were a Michigan fan that I had won the previous week rather than this week. But, but you know, Kevin, you said something yourselves. there interesting that I think we should give credit to Mark D'Antonio for. Your unwillingness to talk shit about Michigan <laughs> on a week in which we lost is a total departure <laughs> from what it used to mean to be a Spartan where – you would take any opportunity to say whatever you could because who cares? Well, I've got to save up because later in the podcast, I'm going to say something to the effect, and I'm paraphrasing my future self, that the only chance to redeem the season is to beat Michigan, which is a common refrain circa 2007, 2008. So uh, having... Those were D'Antonio years. Those were his yeah. first years. That's not yeah. a, that's not a re- save the season. That's a... Fine. 2005, 2006, 2007. Uh, so I'm, I'm trying not to uh, fall into too many old habits uh, on the podcast here. Well, I guess that's my point is hat tip to Mark D'Antonio because that that is a culture change. And you're right. You know, it, I find myself checking my words a little bit more because it's like, can I back that up? Whereas before, it was kind of, it was like trolling. You were just throwing mm-hmm. shots anywhere and everywhere you could. But I did want to say, hilariously, uh, what's his name? Is it Paul Feinbaum? It uh, is, yeah. yeah. Media Sug- personality. Who, uh, just the weirdest personality. Like, wouldn't be surprised if he has a van that doesn't have windows. But suggested... He looks like he does. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Uh, Feinbaum uh, suggested that Notre Dame should buy out Brian Kelly and hire Urban Meyer. 
which is the hottest of hot takes because Notre Dame did go to the college football playoffs last year. Yeah, they're one and year out of a playoff. And don't get me wrong. They were the number six team in the country, right, until they just lost. Yeah, and if I had to pick programs and, and rank them for how much I do not care for them, Notre Dame maybe sits behind Michigan, but very slightly. Mm-hmm. Uh, do not care for that program. Do not like them. And do not care for Brian Kelly at all. No. Uh, but that fact, is the worst take. There, I think there are worse takes. Uh, someone, I don't recall who, I, I thought... I saw speculated out there somewhere. I might've been on a, on a forum or something that MSU should consider uh, hiring Brian Kelly. Should he, should this take place? And that would be a big pass to me. I don't want Brian Kelly as the head football coach for my football team. Want nothing to do with that man or anyone who's touched that university. Yeah. He, He, he doesn't, he doesn't have our values. No. Say what, say what you will about Mark D'Antonio right now, but I still believe he, he embodies the kind of thing that we would want out of MSU. Anyway, Michigan, congratulations. You got over that hump, I think. Maybe. Kind of. We're happy for you. It doesn't really do much for you, um, but congratulations. And, you know... Uh, can't read, can't write. Salutes you? <laughs> yeah. So, uh, other big news. Uh, there's, well, not big news, but... No, the opposite of big news, in fact. (laughs) It's come out that the XFL is not exactly a golden parachute like we teased up top. Uh, Kevin, break down what the base salary situation is for XFL players. If you're playing in the XFL, game in, game out, getting hit, making hits, putting yourself at, uh, at physical risk, you make a clean base salary of 24K, which... I, uh, considering, what what was it that we said uh, last week that the XFL is really leaning into those college football alliances, you know, yeah, the yeah, individual yeah. players. So we're talking about educated, uh, hopefully gr- degree credentialed athletes that you're, that you're uh, trying to employ here with a 24K base salary to play a very dangerous sport. Their uh, base salary are is less than... The base salary is less than the value of most college educations. Yes. There are incentives for being on the roster and for winning. Winning is heavily incentivized if you look at it as a percentage of your total income. Uh, but it's it seems to me that the XFL might have a hard time uh, trying to get some of these guys. Uh, if you've got a real job, you know, just sitting in HR somewhere, you know, just selling cars. Yeah. Doing something with that degree. Uh, the XFL is going to have a hard time competing with that. So we'll see. They're going to find someone to play in this league. It is interesting to me that the, uh, Canadian football league pays better than the XFL, but, uh, what are you going to do? We'll see how it goes. It's going to be an interesting experiment. So the the big news, speaking of getting paid, mm-hmm. is that the NCAA uh, Board of Governors voted to allow athletes to be compensated for name, age, and likeness, image and likeness in a manner consistent with the collegiate model. Right. What that means is not know. clear. Yeah. Uh, hilariously, I think anyway, 
Mark Emmert, the president of the NCAA, uh, called this an existential threat to college sports just last yeah, month. Yeah, I was going to say, now, Mike, that was several weeks ago. <laughs> Be nice to Mark. <laughs> A lot has happened since then. Mark has feelings now. Yeah. Yeah, so it, it sounds like this is, I mean, this is a promise to do something. It sounds like they're going to roll out how this plays out based on division. But there, there's a lot that remains to be seen. And, and as I said, this is all couched in the, quote-unquote, in a manner consistent with the collegiate model, which I don't have any clue what that means. We'll find out. There's a committee for it, right? Yeah. So, I mean, we're going to talk a little bit more about this because of a Twitter question, but I'm genuinely curious, you know, how, for instance, um, what what sparked this is Angelique Chingelis uh, from the Detroit Free Press, who's the beat writer for the University of Michigan, wrote an interesting and, and nice story about um, Lavert Hill, a cornerback for Michigan, talked about taking out his defensive line for uh, pizza and wings a couple times because, you know, they'd done a good job and, and he wanted to say thanks for making his life easier. I think that's a great gesture. I don't mean to – there's nothing about what I'm saying that is dumping on what he did. But what I'm curious about is as potential inequity in name, image, and likeness compensation comes through, how – Maybe some of those gestures get a little grander and get a little bigger. Yeah. And then is that being compensated for your play in a way that is inconsistent with the collegiate model? So to put this in University of Michigan terms, it goes from cheese pizza at backroom to pepperoni pizza with Parmesan on it at backroom. It's that sort of bump that we're talking about here. I don't know if backroom is nicer than Pizza House, but sure. It's across the street from Pizza House. Didn't there used better. to be some trashy bar across the street from Pizza House that was downstairs? We went there once, and they wanted to charge me a cover, and I laughed. Are you talking about the Rick's American Cafe of Ann Arbor? That I am, yes. Not nearly as good as the Rick's American Cafe of East Lansing, and that's a fact. That's a fact. I'll stand by it. Uh, but, so anyway, I, I guess, you know, it remains to be seen how this all plays out, obviously. And I'm probably, and I think we've come out and said that we're probably in favor of some version of this that is, in fact, in a manner consistent with the collegiate model. I just don't know what they mean by that. And I, I genuinely hope that it, it involves making sure that all players in all sports receive some extra cash. Also of note uh, on this topic, the there was a committee of current student athletes and former student athletes that uh, that released a statement on this subject uh, this week. Uh, it would uh, I would characterize it as being curt in tone. Um, I, I would say just... vapid. <laughs> okay, I mean well written, but vapid. <laughs> I. I... I'll be interested to see how this progresses. Uh, I, I'm betting that they don't get much of a seat at the table, uh, but uh, we'll find out. Um, I, 
I'm afraid that this is going to turn into some kind of Wild West situation. Uh, I think the NCAA is so far behind on this uh, and just playing so much catch up that this is not going to end in a way that the NCAA will find beneficial to itself and its model. But maybe it will. They've got two years to figure it out. I, I don't think the NCAA has a lot of you know swaying in these individual state houses. And I, I think the Power Five conference teams are going to look at this as a way to gain themselves an edge. If I'm the Big Ten, I look at, you know, I, I think everyone on this podcast probably speculates and there's a an element of truth to it that the Big Ten conference favors certain programs over others. And they probably think that this is going to greatly benefit a program like Ohio State relative to a program like Clemson. I mean, Clemson's winning right now and they've got the athletes right now, but can anyone doubt for a second that Ohio State isn't going to clean up on something uh, on a fair play to pay fair pay to play act in a way that pay to play act in a way that no other programs save for like an Alabama, but like, I mean, I don't even know if Alabama would be able to do it. I think Ohio state is positioned to clean up in a way that like Texas will, uh, yeah. Positioned in, in sort of, uh, large enough Metro markets that there's, there's money there beyond the university. Yeah. Um, but certainly the university is still intrinsically tied to the identity of that town. Yeah. It's not just the endowment of the university. It's, you know, the fan base, the size of the stadium. Uh, I mean, Penn state will to a degree, but they're, it's going to be difficult for them. Uh, you know, they're a small college town sort of in the middle of nowhere. Um, so they I mean, they're going to do well with this, but not to the degree that an Ohio state will or a Michigan will for that case. And I'll also be interested to find out if, you know, but for a handful of student athletes smattered throughout the country, it may just be that the compensation isn't actually as high as anyone is thinking, you know, again, um, the, the Zion Williamson is, is an example of someone who may be able to, to have the cachet to, to bring in that cash, but most players probably not. And, and so then, you know, you're potentially doing weird boostery things that are underhanded, you know, within, within a, a university culture, but from a, from a, true national brands and i'm not talking about you, you know I, I'm, I'm talking the nikes and the adidas but for most of these it may be a weird booster deciding that he's going to fund the marketing of a car dealership or a car dealership just isn't going to pay that much for a brian lewerke to come out and do a commercial for him and brian lewerke may say yes because he's not getting paid right now or Brian Lewerke might refuse to do a Sundance Chevrolet commercial because he's scared of horses. I don't know. I'm speculating. Or doesn't want his dorm room burned down because he doesn't want to be involved in some weird insurance scam. That's right. Devotees will recall, uh, can't read, can't write, broke the story on Sundance Chevrolet and their uh, insurance arsons. But anyway, speaking of ads, don't we, don't we have another one? Yes, we do. And... I, I, I mean, this is a very, very real sponsor. 
Uh, and I'm surprised they came to us because I think they don't know our demo. Uh, but Kevin, tell us about our next sponsor. Okay. I will, Mike. Thank you. Can't Read, Can't Write is brought to you by the actual University of Kentucky. Turns out it's more than just Adelf Rupp Arena. There's an actual school there as well with programs. Programs such as College of Medicine, College of Law, others. (laughs) The actual (laughs) University of Kentucky, where student-athletes succeed and proceed, just not with their education. Oh, man. University of Kentucky, can I make a recommendation? Do not name anything after someone whose name is Adolph. Just a bad look. I will say, in fairness to the actual University of Kentucky, we do have an established history of uh, accepting sponsorships from institutions outside of East Lansing. So, that's fair. That is fair. Uh, Though, would you say Fraser's Pub, Ann Arbor, Michigan, they would like to let you know it is a genuinely welcoming place for Spartans. I don't know that I can say the same thing about University of Kentucky. Yeah, not next week. Not on Tuesday. And Frazier's not owned, operated, or sponsored, or has their name on the name Adolf anywhere near it. Just saying. It's a good point. They should put that on the sign. Zero percent Adolf. Frazier's <laughs> And you know what? Here at uh, Can't Read, Can't Write, we will stand behind zero Adolf at Frazier's Pub. But we don't want to detract from our other very real sponsor, University of Kentucky. succeed and proceed not one and done uh so with that we'll get into your twitter questions Mm -hmm. um first twitter question is from sparty party 23 why not kevin why not i mean it's true i'm totally with sparty party 23 on this why not michael why not in in fairness to sparty party 23 i did say i would present this without context uh, I had tweeted out, why is BTN plus? And he had said, why not? And he's right. Uh, BTN uh, took an opportunity to take our money and then take some more of it to air an exhibition game. Yeah. If you were in mid-Michigan and you paid the $10 BTN plus tax, it was cheaper to get in the door, man. Cheaper to get in the door. Just saying. Anyway. I mean, I have expletives for BTN. We will not share them here, but know that we are not trying to move up to an explicit rating, and that is not why I am sharing them. But that is why I'm not sharing them. Keeping it PG-13 for the uh, Apple Podcast. Thank you. Yep. I did say tripping over his dick earlier, though. Um, it's okay. Anyway, at Zilly Sam says, Hey, guys, huge fan of the pod, longtime listener, first-time tweeter. I can't help but notice that you, though, that you guys haven't mentioned women's sports in your conversations about the Fair Pay to Play Act. What's your take on that? Well, this was one of the first things that the the Pac-12 conference or Pac-10, do they, whichever they go by, uh, referenced when the Fair uh, Pay to Play Act was passed in California and why they were against it. Uh, as far as I'm aware. It doesn't relate to the institutions at all so far and doesn't have any Title IX implications. Uh, I would defer to the actual lawyer on the podcast uh, to confirm or or refute that stance. Is that accurate? 
So, yeah, because the, the act merely allows players to profit off of their name, image, and likeness. Mm-hmm. So the university isn't involved with that. Essentially, players can become influencers. And so right. uh, that's something that they do on their own, which sets them up to definitely not be taken advantage of. And so technically it doesn't necessarily apply in any specific way to women's sports other than female athletes, women athletes are are free to go out and get name, image, and likeness endorsements. Mm -hmm. But I will... without There's going to be an inequity between high-performing male athletes and high-performing female athletes. And Uh, so, Zilly Sam, if you went back in our catalog and listened to what we said, (laughs) we did actually address this and uh, did talk about the fact that we wanted to make sure that there was was equity among players, not only within locker rooms, but also amongst men's and women's sports. Um, Because if you follow revenue and assume that that plays out somewhat similarly to um, how athletes will be compensated or through their name, image, and likeness, then it is fair to assume that female athletes will make less money. What I would be optimistic about, though, is that if they could add, for instance, a surcharge to uh, Midnight Madness, um, where if you want to get autographs signed by current players, you know, you can pay five bucks or something like that. And, you know, go through and get as many autographs as you want. And those can be distributed evenly amongst the teams. Uh, that might be a way for the uh, an equitable distribution uh, amongst the teams. Very but good. I, I, I would just say, Zilly Sam, uh, beyond, go back to our catalog. I'm personally not in favor of the idea of some athletes making more money than others when they're there because their name is tied to an institution. So I would like to see them get paid, but I would like to see that payment distributed evenly amongst all student-athletes. Anyway, uh, next up, Jervman asks, can't read, can't write, way too early predictions time. Who wins the 2020 World Series? Just to give some inside uh, look, the Game 7 is being played right now. We've decided to record our podcast over Game 7 of the World Series, which implies to me that we are not serious baseball fans and should not. Or that we're dedicated to the pod. We're dedicated to the pod. So, Jerv, man, I love you. But, uh, I mean, it's not going to be the Tigers, I'll tell you that. Uh, that's, That's the hottest take on the podcast so far. Uh, I mean, it's going to be like, should we just say maybe the Astros, they've been really competitive for the past several years. Uh, and I, I think, think their pitching staff's getting too old. Uh, I'm going to go with the San Francisco Giants. A, my team. B, it's an even year. And so I'm going to play into that trope that is not particularly relevant anymore because it's yeah. like living in the D'Antonio era of glory. <laughs> so there you go. Also, uh, I mean, you're in New York. And the Yankees had a hell of a team this year, didn't they? So, Yeah, but uh, the Phillies did just bring on... Um, I don't care for him. What's his name? A former catcher for the Yankees and the Rockies. Not Joe Torre, because that guy is in charge of umpiring, and he's terrible. Um, 
It is a Joe, though. Doesn't matter. Yeah. New guy, Philly's manager. Big things are happening there. We're recording during Game 7 of the World Series. I don't uh, expect too much keen baseball insights from us. Uh, But we do have a big question coming up from Dom here. Yeah. So uh, add Dom Garrett. uh, I'm going to go ahead and declare him friend of the pod at this point in time. Uh, Nearly broke the pod last week and decided his penance he should sit out. We coaxed him back in, and he is here and to... paid off. Paid off, break, break the podcast again. So his question is, should D'Antonio keep his job? We both get 60 seconds to make our case. One for one, or one for, one against. Um, and we're going to do this Lincoln style, Lincoln Douglas style, right? In a modified format, yes. Uh, I honestly have no idea what Lincoln Douglas uh, style the format is. I know it's like opening statement, rebuttal, blah, 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 blah. 60-60. I'm going to get the timer up. Give me a sec. Yeah, and I think it's been a long time since I took debate, uh, but I think because I... So we've kind of sort of flipped on who would take which, kind of, not really... Um, but because I'm taking the forced retirement slash fired position, uh, I'm arguing for change. And so I think that means I have to go first. Go first. All right. You may start when ready. I have a timer up and I will, do you want me to give you a 10 second warning or do you want me to just tell you when you're up and interrupt you? Like the, the just, beat? just interrupt me like a total asshole. All right. I'll play, uh, I'll play you off when you're ready. All right. Go. Go. Look, we love you, Mark D'Antonio. It's been a great ride. But that ride stopped, and we're sitting waiting for the safety restraints to come up. This team is not moving anywhere. It's not fun. It's not interesting. It's not edgy. And it is so inconsistent, and the fundamentals are not being played as well as they should be, that you can't help but look at coaching. And, frankly... There's not people coming in that are inspiring a ton of confidence. The recruiting has been lackluster. It is a avalanche effect, as in it is snowballed out of control. And until you start shifting things back again, that you can start competing for recruits, it's not going to get any better. And there's no reason to indicate that you can do that on a timeline that is consistent with how long we would expect you to coach. We had a great ride. The ride is over. It's time for you to get off. Way to actually stop, Joe Biden. That was good. <laughs> Great work. Are you calling me senile or grabby? No. Or what, that are you, was, what are you saying there? Uh, that was a reference to how in the first couple of debates, uh, Democratic debates, uh, when the moderators asked Joe Biden to stop and told him that he was out of time, he would immediately stop even when he was mid-sentence. That was genuinely uh, where I was ending my point, though. It's perfect. Uh, okay, so that leaves me with the position of keep Mark D. Uh, do you want to time me, or do you want me to self-regulate? I do not trust you. Ready when you are. Okay, go ahead. Go. So, unfortunately, Mike, you put me in the position where I get to debate the side that's actually going to happen. The university is not currently in a position to be pushing the head football coach out 
it is, uh, while it is just an athletic position, it is very large for the community. And we have a brand new president and athletic director that is essentially placed in that role to keep, uh, you know, members of the administration happy just to sort of exist there and be someone that they can trust. Um, there's no reason to upset the apple cart. Mark D'Antonio is the all-time winningest coach in Michigan State football history. Uh, he's got a proven track record of winning. They're in a bit of a lull right now, but his offensive staff is all on one-year contracts. So there can be simple changes made to the offense, and uh, Mark D'Antonio can continue to be the head coach, and there's no need to go through the process with an interim, effectively an interim athletic director, a brand new president, and an administration Time. that's focused on other things at the moment. First of all, upset the apple cart? What does that even mean? It means add another position to hire in the university when there's already not a Title IX You don't get uh, to keep making your point. You asked the question. I'm answering it. Second, you didn't address the question of should he keep his job. So for those keeping track at home, I win. Okay, fair. But I won because mine's the real answer. So... (laughs) I'm not saying, I don't think that was Dom's question. Anyway, second question, best post-Breslin spot to grab a beer after a win, also after a loss. Now, I think there are two ways to interpret his question. One is that whatever the answer is should be consistent with both a win and a loss. Mm -hmm. But I think we should split this up of where do you go after a win, where do you go after a loss? I'm going to choose to interpret this as go to a fine drinking establishment after a win and go to a place to pound beers and shots after a loss. So after a win, Crunchies, obviously, number one spot in East Lansing. I don't even think that's debatable. If you're going from uh, Breslin Center, though, in particular, I might walk down to Green Dot Stables. It's a newer spot over uh, due west towards Lansing, uh, just down the road there from the Breslin Center. Slider place with pretty reasonable beer prices. Uh, now we're sort of edging into maybe we lost the game. Maybe you go a little bit further. You go to Dagwoods. It's a little bit more of a Lansing Towny bar, but also in that direction. And that place is cheap. Uh, so I'm going to give Crunchies. I'm going to give Green Dot. I'm going to give Dagwoods. And then obviously, if you're a Green Cedar, Blue Hair, you're going to Beggars after the game one way or another. What do you got, Jonesy? So... I don't disagree. So for listeners who might care, uh, it's been sadly too long since I've been in East Lansing. Um, The last time I was there was 2016 and um, lovely time, but I am not up on the new development. So bear with me here. Totally agree on crunchies, obviously. Um, Then you're going to swing back towards the East Lansing area, stop to amp up a little bit more at Beaners, grab a coffee, then... <laughs> what? Your geography's a little off. You're actually going away from downtown to get to Big B from Crunchies, but it's okay. You haven't been here since 2016. It's fine. Go Wait. You're, you're doing great. Go ahead. I thought Crunchies was closer to Lansing. Nope. Oh, man. Fine. Whatever. We're keeping this, by the way. You, you, that's fine. I don't care. You take a quick detour over to Beaners and then head over towards uh, Beggar's Banquet. That's still there? Yep. I, I, you know, that was one of my answers. Wait. Oh, yes. Beggar's. Uh, and then... Um, uh, Just take Rick's, man. Obviously, yeah, take that's, Rick's. Go to Rick's and then, you know, see if you can sneak into the peanut barrel after that, grab a Long Island iced tea and call it a night. 
There you go. That's my answer. Did I say anything wrong? No, you did a great job. All right. Um, after a loss, here's my take. You head over to QD at Harrison and uh, Grand River. Brown bag it. Yes. Uh, grab a, a fifth of um, Kamchaka vodka or uh, Kessler whiskey, smooth as knives. And uh, then you head over to a little place called the Brody Complex, find a door that is propped open, and join a dorm party. There you go. All right. You heard it here. Can't read, can't write. Crash in dorm parties. As grown men. <laughs> yep. We'll pass. We'll pass. No one, you just hear our voices. You don't know what we look like. I am youthful and charming. Mm-hmm. Um, John Hubbard asks, at Spartan Pod, that's can't read, can't write's handle, by the way. Follow mm-hmm. us. Uh, wondering, the, yes, subscribe, rate, reviews, follow us on Twitter. Um, wondering the, the show's thoughts and feelings on this. MSU football has been here before with Coach D'Antonio. 2009, 2012, 2016 were all bad years, but fans remained patient and loyal. What changed? A lot of calls for the coach to walk away, including my own, but why? Previous weeks, we've taken John's very good questions and we moved them up to where we've previously had these discussions. Uh, One thing that you pointed out uh, and we didn't really elaborate on is that some of these bad years, previous bad years, even the games that MSU lost, they were competitive in them in a way that MSU simply has not been competitive with the class of the Big Ten over the past three weeks. Uh, So I would point at that. It's the lack of some reason for hope. Maybe that's part of why the fan base and members of this podcast are clamoring so much for young players to get involved. You know, you can get a little bit excited about a Julian Barnett, you know, running out there, grabbing a pass. Uh, Right now, you're looking at Brian Lewerke, who's about to graduate, and he's throwing to, you know, injured receivers or guys that, that don't appear to be that dynamic. Uh, and you're looking at a defense that was supposed to be vaulted at the beginning of the year, has been gashed a little bit from time to time against really good teams, but still gashed. And a lot of those players aren't going to be there next year. So I think it's a combination of the lack of uh, competitiveness overall and the lack of uh, hope for a brighter future. Yeah, I, I mean, I think the the easiest place to point to one of the seasons he pointed out is 2012, which other than uh, a loss to Notre Dame at home, which was a score of 20-3 uh, to 3 with us losing, every other game that we lost that year, we lost by less than a touchdown. So, you know, we were in those games. The, uh, the 2009 season, we were putting up points. You know, the most of the losses we had scored at least 30 points. You know, 2016, again, there were at least interesting scores on the board. Mm-hmm. This is this is not It's that. been demoralizing the past three weeks. That's the difference. <clears throat> and But it's not even the past three weeks. You know, last year, a, a lackluster season had signs of being sad. Mm-hmm. And and so hence the calls for the changes in in offensive coaching and and nothing changed because he didn't mm-hmm. change the coaches. Yeah, that's also true. So 
Um, Shall I think we go? I, yeah. Sorry. Me, no, no, go Shall, ahead. Shall we go to the man? The UDJG? Yes. I mean, this is his segment. This is it. Clamoring. Clamoring it's, for a producer title. It's all been building to this moment. Can you feel it? It's like electric in the air. The man, the myth, the legend, the man who gives out lukewarm reviews of our podcast and phoned it in on questions this week. <laughs> I'm saying it. The upper deck jerk guy. Well, he, he you know, he gets pulled in a lot of directions. As at ha- as ass hat one, uh, I feel uh, compelled to, uh, uh, to to defend him a little bit. Uh, you're new to this ass hat a bit uh but i've lived in it for the last couple of weeks he uh he's a popular man about town he gets asked uh to spread those questions around so i'm you know here at can't read can't write we're just happy to get the few that we did get even if um as you say maybe they weren't as strong as weeks prior. strong disagree over here upper deck jerk guy we give you a segment with time and thoughtful answers (laughs) couch in the rube what do they do for you other podcasts, cut some of your questions. We do neither of those things. And you do this? You call me an asshat? <laughs> it's kind of nice. Lean in. Anyway, question one. If he finds our pictures online, how many years do we have to do this podcast before he starts changing his avatar to our faces? We'll find out. We'll find All out right. the hard way. Anyway, Upper Deck, your guy, first question. Now that we are past the three-game gauntlet of death... What needs to happen to get the fan base back on board? This is what I set up earlier. We're back to circa 2005 to 2007 into 2008. It's a beat Michigan season. Beating Michigan is the only way to get the fan base back on board. Uh, the question is, can you beat Michigan and still drop one of the three other remaining games? Your Illinois, your Rutgers, and your uh, Maryland. Um, or what happens, you know, can you defeat those three teams handily and still lose to Michigan, maybe have a competitive game against Michigan and defeat those other three teams? I don't think so. I think for this fan base at this point, given what we've seen against Arizona State and against, you know, Penn State, uh, Ohio State, and Wisconsin, you you need to go to Ann Arbor and pull out a win for there to be any hope of the fan base getting back on board for this season. What do you think? I need scoring. I I need scoring at this point in time. You know, yeah, I, I will be thrilled to beat Michigan, but if we beat them, one of the places that we're going to be talking trash is you got beat by a team that scored seven points or less in five out of eight games? Yeah, I was going to say that that game is going to be like a 10-point MSU scoring effort, 14 point MSU yeah, scoring effort. I, I need offense. I that that's what I need. And and I don't think I'm alone on this. I think other people need to see signs of life. It's not just beating Michigan, though that helps a lot. But, you know, we're as we mentioned up top, we're probably gonna drop the bowl game. I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be mad about it, because that's just kind of we're in a, we're moving into a rebuilding year. So, you know. I'm fine if we don't win the bowl game because it means extra practices for the guys that are coming back next year and it potentially means bowl exposure, but whatever. I need signs of life. And I have not seen any in a while. And so I don't, I don't know if it's these guys need to realize that they're playing for their pro careers, but like I, I need something. Next question. 
Upper Deck Jerk Guy caught on to the fact that I asked for Twitter questions in advance of our podcast. So he decided to ask questions about the exhibition, not knowing how the exhibition turned out. Dude plays moves ahead, man. 12-dimensional chess. Seven-dimensional chess over here. Oh, just seven. Kevin said that. Not Mike. Um... Thursday's pod. How did you find about stream? How did you find the streaming for the Albion game on BTN Plus? You did stream it, didn't you, Josie? Kevin, did you stream I, it? I streamed it into my eyeballs from the Breslin Center. That's how I streamed it. Uh, how did you? Did you watch the box score? Did you watch uh, our Twitter updates? What was? <laughs> yeah. What was your approach? I, I waited for uh, BTN to tweet out <laughs> highlights and then watched those. I kind of left you hanging on some chats that you sent over that I didn't see for you know a while, uh, so I apologize for for that. I, I was an asshat in that way, um, but we're we're about to go into covering the scrimmage. But yeah, BTM plus went in the hearts and minds and the ten dollars from some of our pockets. Um, next question, Rocket, huh? Rocket, huh? Indeed, you, dude started. You, you could read that different ways. Uh, thoughts on Rocket? We'll get into him a little bit more, but, uh, you know, give me the one-sentence version. Uh, he's the most promising of the freshmen. All right. Uh, last question. How drunk are you guys when you record? I'm on beer 1.5. What are you at? I am on beer 3. Ooh. And hoping to get to Doubled me up. I will probably say of the two of us, I'm the most high functioning of the drinking. Uh, so I'm going to need to get a few more deep before I get drunk. Fair. Not Fair. as drunk as I'd like to be right now. Not as drunk as I would have liked to have been in the fourth quarter in that game uh, <laughs> last Saturday. Uh, so that's that's uh, the segment. Upper Deck Jerk Guy. Thank you. The segment. From us uh, to you. You DJG, we we salute you. And this episode was part was partially brought to you by the Upper Deck Jerk guy. Partially. That's as close as you're getting to a producer credit. All right, so uh, thank you for your, all for your Twitter questions and Dom for continuing to alienate our fans and ruin our friendship. Uh, we will now turn to uh, talking about that exhibition game and previewing the Kentucky game. For those who don't know, MSU scrimmaged. Albion, uh, a, a small Michigan college, uh, yesterday, and mm-hmm. um, won by 85 to 50. Uh, some of that, you know, a little catch-up during garbage time. Uh, interesting notes were that uh, Cassius Winston was going to be playing against his two brothers. Um, and as I mentioned, I watched through Twitter, but not like actually watching just the clips that BTN uh, decided to post and hearing the reactions from people who chose to pay for BTN+. Plus. Uh, so, uh, Kevin, I, what I would be kind of interested in doing is breaking down some of the players from the game. Mm-hmm. Um, the place that I think most people were looking or the, the player that most people expected to contribute right away this season was Rocket Watts, particularly in light of Josh Langford's injury that keeps him out for probably the season. Yeah. Um, Graham Couch columnist for the Lansing State Journal wrote that uh, Rocket Watts has all the makings of a playmaker, but at times will be a playmaker for both teams, implicating that 
he's going to mess up some. What was your what was your impression of watching Rocket Watts? Yeah, I think any freshman is going to mess up some. Uh, I what was interesting in the game is I I think he played mostly off the ball, and given given the uh, the situation with the guards right now, I think we were expecting Rocket to take more time at the one. Uh, perhaps taking that time instead of uh, instead of uh, uh, Foster Lawyer, uh, who got plenty of play. Uh, I mean, he looked okay against Adrian College. He did get a couple shots up. Uh, overall, Albion. I thought... Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. Albion. My apologies. <laughs> My apologies. Albion. Uh, the Britons. Um, overall, I, I think the team looked okay... Izzo, as always, experimented with tons of different lineups. Uh, I mean, we knew that Kithier was going to start at the four. You know, we covered the math on that. We we established that that was the case. We had the scoop. Um, Cash has played really well. He shot like six for 11 uh, from the floor, four for seven from three. Uh, if he can continue to do that throughout the, the rest of the season, I mean, he's going to be on the clip that he was at before. Uh, I was a little surprised by Xavier Tillman. Uh, he shot really well from the floor, took some three-point plays or some three-point shots, um, had eight rebounds, but I mean, I'm not sure. He had 19 points. It looks better on paper than it looked to me in person. Aaron Henry had the play of the game. He had this like coming off a screen with the ball, like one hand jam uh, through the lane, through the paint, which was like, it it was impressive, but he was uh, relatively quiet for the rest of the night. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, he went over from the three point, uh, line. If anything, if I'm going to take anything away from the game, it's that the outside shooting was not spectacular. There was a lot of clangs. Uh, Marcus Bingham did not play particularly well. And he's someone I minutes. think people were really hoping took a step forward. Yeah, I mean, that was aspirational. You know, he got that start against uh, Gonzaga in the closed scrimmage. I don't see how. I, right now, I mean, he's taken some minutes from Kith here, but not that many. Uh, so I, I'm going to expect to see his role diminish, especially against uh, Kentucky coming up here on Tuesday. So I, the big take, it's hard to gauge too much against Albion. Uh, they put up a good fight in the first half for like the first 10 minutes, but it was clear that MSU was just going to pull away and, and had too many bodies for Albion to, to even really keep it competitive. So shooting was a concern. Uh, some rebounding was a concern to me a little bit, just watching the game. And I was surprised that rocket didn't carry the ball up the, up the, uh, the floor a little bit more often. Yeah, I think when he did, it was uh, him with Foster Lawyer at the two. Yeah, they, they are going to do that occasionally. I mean, Foster Lawyer is a, a big-time scorer. He didn't shoot that. I mean, we haven't really seen it in an MSU uniform, um, except for that one game where he filled it up a little bit late in the Big Ten season last year. Uh, but that's what he was brought in to do. That The question is, can he get those shots against different competition? I, I think maybe the answer... Or, is leaning towards no, but we'll see. But, uh, Gabe Brown had a solid game. Yeah. 
Yeah, uh, he also hung on the perimeter a lot. Uh, there wasn't a great deal of slashing from Gabe from what I saw. He played a lot. He was in there. Uh, he shot uh, not great, uh, but my understanding is that he's been just putting up shots all off season. So hopefully that improves. Uh, what was more interesting to me is that I think Izzo said either before the game or in the post game that he doesn't see Gabe playing the two. Um, I'm going to defer to him on that, but I, I didn't see a whole lot of cutting or doing regular wing type things, but um, yeah, I, the team looked okay. Uh, the team didn't look as good as uh, I've seen other MSU teams play. I think a lot of that is the shooting. Uh, but I think they're, you know, we'll see way more, obviously, against this Kentucky team on Tuesday. Well, and, and how much of it do you think is possibly nerves? You know, first time, you know, I know they they played sort of air quotes uh, at Midnight Madness, but, you know, first game against competition in the Breslin you know, high expectations. Maybe they're just some jitters. I, I had some jitters when I saw Stevie Izzo take his uh, warm-ups off <laughs> and get ready to check in. The yeah, place, so for, I mean, this for, happened with three minutes left in the game, and the place was just on edge waiting for him to check in. No disrespect to Jack Hoiberg, but he checked in in front of Stevie a couple times, like checked back out. It was, there was a lot of switching towards the end of the game. But when Stevie Izzo got in, it the place erupted. Uh, and in his first offensive possession, as we noted on Twitter, uh, his uh, team had a shot clock uh, violation. So uh, room to improve there. But he did get fouled. Uh, he did hit the front end of a one and one didn't complete the one and one and missed on a three-point shot. But uh, it was... To borrow from Mark D'Antonio here, uh, it was special to see Stevie Izzo get in the game, and uh, I'm glad that the community really rallied behind him. Yeah, I, I think, you know, um, I think I tweeted something to this effect, but, you know, it, it is, I hope this is at least some modicum of, of payment, repayment, to what he and, and his dad, Tom Izzo, have sacrificed mm -hmm. uh, in their father-son relationship that I, I, I genuinely hope that that was a moment that they get to share and cherish for the rest of their lives um, and that it was as special to them or hopefully more special but as special as it was to us and, and that replay just had me grinning ear to ear um, and so I, I you know I, I'm I'm thrilled that that you know the Spartans there were you know, helped amplify that moment uh, and, and create something really rememberable for them. And I'll say we speculated early in our podcasting careers that having Stevie Izzo on the bench will keep Tom Izzo around longer. And then that was refuted by Tom directly by a question from Chris Solari, right? Where he asked if that would keep him from retiring. Yeah, he probably uh, got it, that from our tweet, but yeah. Yep, yep. And Izzo claimed that he you know, that wouldn't keep him from from doing something else. From what I saw, I'm inclined to think that Izzo might be wrong when he reflects on that. I'm betting that yeah, did, Tom Did you hear he's saying he's that. going to redshirt him? <laughs> Why? That's great. Five years five <laughs> for, years of Izzo. I'll take it. Five guaranteed what, years. What reason would you redshirt him? That doesn't make any sense. 
He's not on scholarship. <laughs> like, why? That's all right. Should we, uh, should we, now that we've talked about the game that didn't really matter, should we preview the one that's coming up, the big one? Number yes. One, number two? Michigan State, number one. Kentucky, number two. Champions Classic happening in Madison Square Gardens next Tuesday. Uh, this is going to be a fascinating game, uh, particularly because this is a Kentucky team that's not a, a normal Kentucky team in that, uh, you know, uh, John Calipari might like to say uh, succeed and proceed, but they are historically a one-and-done crew. Um, he's famous for having 10, like, McDonald's All-Americans and yep. platooning them. Uh, <laughs> that was only the, one time. Yeah. But, you know, the um, this Kentucky team is a little bit, and emphasis on a little bit, more mature than a, a, a historical Kentucky team, um, but is returning players who have some question marks behind them. Uh, the perimeter shooting is a, a big question mark for them this year, particularly in light of uh, the three-point line being moved back. Um, but, you know, Kevin, what, what other context can we give about the Kentucky game coming up, and what should people be looking out for? Well, Kentucky's fallen on hard times. Uh, they got out-recruited by Memphis last year uh, and only had the second-best recruiting class. So uh, the, Ouch. the talent there uh, is going to be a big step down from what we're accustomed to seeing from Kentucky. Uh, no, I, I, my understanding, uh, I, you know, we did some, some research on them in advance. Uh, my understanding is... They've got some pieces that are a little bit older than you would expect, but they still have dudes. They still have long guys. They still have NBA talent. And it's not just number one, number two in the in the AP poll. It's also number one, number two uh, in in the Kempom rankings as well. So uh, Kempom released his, his rankings maybe a week ago, maybe a week and a half ago. MSU is number one. Uh, in his uh in his computer rankings which relies heavily on uh efficiency on offense and defense uh and kentucky is number two on that list now it's the beginning of the season this i'm sure msu's numbers are goosed just by virtue of cassius winston existing because the man is a basketball machine and uh but i will say this uh Losing to the number two team, going on the road, playing in Madison Square Garden, uh, losing your your senior uh, shooting guard, having to start a freshman in place of that. If MSU drops this game, it's it's not the end of the world. I think we'd obviously love to see them win this game, and unfortunately, the fan base is. I think the perception is that we're accustomed to losing these types of games, but I'm thankful for that perception. Honestly, I, yeah. I'm good with that. Like my expectations are not to win so they can only be exceeded. But there are some big games coming up. You know, if MSU drops this game against Kentucky, there's the home game against Duke coming up. There's the road game against, uh, against, uh, what's it called? Seton uh, Hall. Seton Hall coming up. Uh, there's a very likely matchup in Hawaii against Kansas. Uh, so this MSU team is going to be playing some very high, uh, some very highly rated basketball over the next few weeks. And uh, 
if it doesn't work out against Kentucky, they're not going to lose all these games. The team looks good, uh, but it definitely, I mean, it lost a, it lost two seniors that were playing a lot of minutes at the end of the season. So uh, there are holes to fill. Hopefully Joey Hauser comes through. Neither of us are, are, are bullish on that. Uh, I'm expecting, I think we know now that there have been two times that the NCAA has declined the request. So uh, I, I, it seems really unlikely to me that all of a sudden the NCAA is going to allow him to, to transfer with immediate effect. But uh, you, that'll be an exciting see, game. I saw something interesting on Twitter that uh, of uh, transfer requests, like eight have been flat out, they're done, denied, no. Um, I'll say 50, give or take, are approved. And fifty are waiting or on appeal. Hmm. So that number was more interesting to me than it gave me some semblance of hope about Joey Hauser, though I'm also bull or bullish on it. I mean, not bullish. Uh, bearish. Bearish. Yes. I. If the NCAA is still reviewing fifty of these cases, I can't imagine that they're going to go on a clearing spree, though. I would have to think that they default to no. Yeah, you know, and this is the this, twice this is the already. third level of appeal, is my understanding. Yeah. So, but hopefully we're wrong. And uh, last little hoops news: uh, Draymond Green's number is going to be retired. Very exciting, number twenty three. Uh, though my understanding is that Xavier Tillman will be able to play the season out in twenty three. Very good. And that happens during the Duke game, as if there wasn't enough to be excited about anyway. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, hopefully Izzo is extending his win streak again, or is, is making it a win streak against uh, Coach K. Uh, I, I guess with that, this has been Can't Read, Can't Write. Everyone, thank you for listening, and uh, we'll catch you next week after, uh, after that Kentucky game. I'll be live-tweeting, so... And uh, cancel out. your cancel your BTM Plus subscription. Don't yeah. forget. All right. Uh, Fraser's Pub, University of Kentucky, we want to thank you both. We want to thank one of you way more than the other. And, uh, yeah, go green. Go white.